Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. You know what my favorite text is? A waypoint in the Onyx Hunt app to a goblin turkey. The list on the Onyx Hunt app features for chasing turkeys is long, but knowing exact public and private boundaries and land ownership details will help you find more places to hunt, whether that's on public or private. I'll be toting the Hunt app through the spring woods in a few states this year, and I recommend you do the same if you want more turkeys on your table. Also, Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com hunt this spring. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is a production of the Bear Grease podcast called the Bear Grease Render, where we render down, dive deeper, and look behind the scenes of the actual Bear Grease podcast. Presented by FHF Gear, American-made, purpose-built hunting and fishing gear that's designed to be as rugged as the places we explore. The only rules on this podcast are there are no rules. There's a few rules. You'll find them out as we go. Uh, <laughs> number one, do not interrupt Misty. Oh, yes. That's a good one. Yes. Uh, I, like always, how, I like how you waited until she was done speaking, too. In your last episode, you did talk about people who respect <laughs> their wives. So yes. Makes sense. Oh, I'm Mad respect. glad you brought that up so quickly. Misty. Uh, would you like me to speak to that? No. <laughs> no, I'm not asking for you to give a count of that. I'm just kidding. That's Great. Feel misty of fire. I like, I like I'm, headquarters. I'm good. I've, got, I've got my flannel. Do you get cold, Misty? Very. Really? Yes, very much so. So that negative temperature last week was not good on your garden or you? It, it wasn't, but they built me a fire. I'll, this is not a joke. We have a wood-burning stove, and I get so close to it that I have marks on my back. You're kidding. Oh and I'm like, I'm good. I feel fine. And the girls are like, could you step away? This is a fire We're good. hazard. A Nomex nightgown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a what? A Nomex nightgown. I don't, I don't get that joke. It's fireproof. It's, no, but there you go. Yeah. There you go. Nomex. Yeah. Okay. Excuse okay. my friend. He's from Raydell. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, okay, here's here's what we're going to do. I want you to introduce the person to your left. Right now? And Kaylee? I feel like I just got okay, set up. One, <laughs> one of these people doesn't even know the person to their left, but you're going to have to introduce them just with what you know about them. Okay. So um, 
We have a very, a very, very exciting group of people here today, everyone, to follow up on our Duck Stories podcast. To my left is Brent Reeves, wearing a fine pair of uh, roundhouse, roundhouse overalls. Yep. Looking good today, Brent. Always. I was, never been to a guy, I was talking to a guy the other day, an old man from Clarendon, Arkansas. Yep. And when I got off the phone with him, he said, he said Clay, you sound great. <laughs> I hope you have a great holiday. And it was like old school, like I was, it made me feel so good. I was like, you sound, I sound great. He told me I sounded great. Brent, you sound great, buddy. Thank you, man. Who's, who's to your left? To my immediate <laughs> left is Austin Booth. I don't know what number. What does he do? I don't know what number he is on your program, but he ought to be number one in your heart. Mm. Wow. wow. What do you think? Austin got Pretty set good? up with the You got to give us a little nice. more functional introduction <laughs> than that. Austin happens to be the director of the Arkansas Game and Fish Commission. He mm. is a, you don't say ex, I know you say. Former. Former Marine officer. That's right. He's running, he's paddling the boat over there at the Game and Fish. Yes, he's our folks. distinguished guest. Absolutely. Distinguished guest, the All director right. of the Game and Fish. He's got That's on right. a pair of newish Yeah, well, how about we describe yeah. what everyone's wearing? Yeah. A newish danners, some <laughs> danners. I got them a year ago. Some khaki. Wow, you keep you know them in what? good they shape. They were new. They were yeah. new on the first render that you came up here on. That's right. I true. remember. I saw. I, Those I must at, be your church boots. I looked at my. Because they notes. don't look like they've been beat around too much. Well, he keeps I, them I I, I just nice. take really good care of them. Marine care. That's right. You take care of your feet, and they'll take care of you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, a brown T-shirt with duck calls on it. Mm. It says "Call Callapalooza." I assume you got oh. that at Callapalooza from, from the Callapalooza event, and wearing a vintage Ducks Unlimited cap. Great, great to have you, Director Booth. Always good to be here, Clay. Yes. How about you introduce the person to your left? <laughs> on my left is a guest far more distinguished than me. Uh, one of our commissioners on the Arkansas Game Fish Commission. Anne Marie DeRamus, lifelong mm. outdoorsman, avid waterfowler, avid bass angler. Gadwall killer. Gadwall <laughs> killer. Love the gadwall. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Amateur duck hunter. She is wearing <laughs> a really striking uh, set of footwear. It's vintage camo. Jelly. Mm-hmm. Christmas Crocs. Uh, Christmas Crocs. Yep. Currently in two-wheel drive mode. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And uh, the vintage camo pattern of the Crocs uh, are somewhat similar, but not identical to the vintage camo flannel shirt she's wearing. Like Anne-Marie, it's great to have you here. Glad to be here, Clay and Misty. Thanks for having yeah, us. Yeah, we're so happy you're yes. here. So you were on the render last year about this time. Yeah, about a year ago. That was after yeah. I introduced you to the great migratory bird that yes. is a gadwall. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I was greeted by your trusty squirrel dog, Tim the Squirrel Dog. Mm-hmm. Who, yeah, he was down there with us last year. Yeah, who so had we, a great we time hunted, with. We hunted with uh, Anne-Marie and her bunch for a week, five days, mm-hmm. five days last year. It was it was my largest exposure to duck hunting, like continued exposure. And you so, got to meet my friend named Possum. Yes. It's a big deal. Great guy. Misty, you missed out. I, I feel like I did. <laughs> you were invited, FYI. Whoa. Did I what did I know I was I invited? Mean, <laughs> remember about wife appreciation clay? <laughs> Anne Marie, we'll get back to that. Yeah. <laughs> Great to have you. Thank you for being here, Anne Marie. You bet. Why don't you introduce us to another very distinguished guest to your left? Definitely uh in my opinion, the most distinguished guest because she is an Olympian 
Wow. And her name is Kaylee Browning. Uh, went and competed on behalf of the United States of America in the Olympics and uh, won a silver medal in trap shooting. And besides being an excellent shot, she's an excellent all-around duck hunter. I can oh. say I've been out duck hunting with her. And, well, it was more of a goose hunt that ended up turning into a duck hunt. That's true. Yeah. Uh, the geese weren't really cooperating that morning. But, uh, yeah, we have Kaylee here. And she is a shooting coach and my shooting coach. And she really? has helped me so, so much. Yes, I I thought that I could handle a shotgun. Then I went to see her and her dad. And uh, I quickly realized, wow, I wish I had done this years ago. She mm. helped me a ton. Man, that's a good that's a good intro. Yeah, yeah. Man. yeah thanks for she's, being here, Kaylee. Yeah. She's hyping me up. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, uh-huh. we, I, I, there's a thousand questions I want to ask you. We'll do that after you introduce who's to your left. Wait, I get to describe what she's wearing, right? That, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. My bad, my bad. Clay, don't interrupt them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are you thinking, <laughs> man? That was rule number one. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, guys. Jeez. All right. So old school Nike tennis shoes, which I love. Mm-hmm. Camo vest with a green shirt. Lick and fly. Yeah. I'm, Speaking I'm of fly, it. she's also a pilot. True. Really? Yeah. Yes. Very true. It's cool. a shame you couldn't fly up here today. The weather's know, looking kind of iffy. Yeah. It it didn't work out, but we will next time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Thank you, Amory. So to my left is Misty, um, which I think wears, you know, is, is the... Uh, leader here from what I'm gathering. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. Um, in my short amount of time that I've I've met her, probably 20 minutes now, I've gathered she is a chicken farmer, <laughs> which true. we have in common. Way to go. Um, a, she has a green thumb, um, has a mm-hmm. pretty mean garden, I hear, um, mm-hmm. and can cook a mean biscuit. All right. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Just homemade old. biscuits. Yeah. Great. Um, she is wearing her chicken boots <laughs> with <laughs> a with a striped shirt and a cozy flannel for today. Yes. Excellent. It's very good intro. Great to very have you here, Miss Newcomb. Mm-hmm. Do I Nailed get to introduce you? Yeah. No, I can't wait. You don't get to introduce Oh, God. They know Everybody <laughs> wants to hear. <laughs> no. So, Kaylee, you're... You wouldn't kid. You're an Olympian. Tell it. Give us a. Give us a. There's. A, you could probably talk for an hour. A quick version of like your career in sure. shooting and just kind of yeah. Just tell us a little sure. bit about your story. So I am Daddy's little girl. He says that I'm the son he never had. Um, so I grew up fishing and hunting with him and shooting shotguns. And he was a competitive shotgun shooter. So that's how I got into it. Um, when I was eight years old, I competed in my first competition in sporting clays, which is like a hunted simulated game and went to, went to a shoot, fell in love with it. And from there, when I was 15 years old, actually 14 years old, I found out that shooting was in the Olympics. So I told my dad, I was like, Oh my gosh, shooting's in the Olympics. Like we have to try. Cause I've just been obsessed with the Olympics since I was tiny, mm. um, and he was like, all right, well, let's let's give it a go. So made my first team um, at 15, traveled to Munich, Germany. It was just a whole culture shock, I remember. So you qualify. I mean, qualifying for the Olympics is a big deal, though. It is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in between the Olympics, we have. I mean, I hear. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 yeah, small thing. Um, in between the Olympics, we have World Cups um, in, the, in the quad before. So that's the first team that I made was a World Cup team. So. Went to Munich, Germany, and I remember going to this restaurant and I asked for sweet tea because that's what I grew right. up. You know, I, thought everybody drank, reasonable yeah, tea. I thought everybody drank sweet tea. And the lady, there was, you know, the communication barrier there that wasn't translating well. And she, she brought back some sugar cubes and hot 
black tea and she was like mm. here you go and i was like well i guess and can i have a cup of ice like yeah um so made that team when i was 15 um and since then i've set national records world records um i just became the most decorated uh woman for trap in u.s history really and Girl. then oh, wow. amazing yeah, yeah. And then wow. 2020 cool. went to Tokyo, competed at the Olympics, and won a silver medal. So Sweet. Wow. That's incredible. And so you're from, tell us where you're from. <clears throat> I am from a small town um, called Worcester, Arkansas, which is like 45 minutes north of Little Rock. Okay. Doing Arkansas, Arkansas proud. Yeah. yeah. Way to go. Thanks. Way to go. Thanks. So now I heard an interesting story about how your dad got into, well, comp competitive shooting. Will you tell me that story? Do you know what story I'm talking about? <laughs> you, I'm not sure which one. The very, very first, <laughs> the very first time he shot competitively. So I've heard a story of him. Some guy invited him to go to a shoot, and uh, Austin's story's better. It, probably so. Let's hear Austin's <laughs> version. I'm, I'm sure it was. It was well, man. Uh, yeah, this is um, Wooster folklore. Uh, okay, but. The story that I was told was that Kaylee's dad was on a job out of state, and uh, I think it was in Oklahoma, and was just running down the highway somewhere and saw all these signs for the shooting event and didn't know anything about it, had a shotgun in his truck. He dropped in and said, hey, what's the shooting event that y'all have? And they said, oh, this is a, um, a trap competition we have this weekend. Uh, it's a national qualifier, but it's also open to the public. So uh, the story that I was told was that he paid the fee to compete just somebody off the street and that he ended up coming in second place, his, yeah. his first event ever. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this he, lines up. He, well, yeah. So he actually, he a couple of years before that, got invited to go to a sporting clay shoot and was had no idea what it was. And he was like, I don't know what that is. So he kind of like blew it off and – and went to that shoot. Um, I think it was in Oklahoma. Anyway, they were. He's he's a welder. He owns a fabrication shop. So they used to travel all the time to go to different job sites. And anyway, yeah. So he's he's the best shot. I think Amory can attest to this too. Tommy B he's is pretty the best good. shot. So I've, the 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 story was is that he just had his like hunting shotgun and went and competed and yeah, beat just, all these like pro shooters. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And all and I think it was a trap shoot too. And you know, older trap guys tend to have a stereotype about them. They kind of like turn their nose up to you if you're not somebody in there. And he was mm -hmm. probably in camo Crocs and like his shorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shooting an so, old eight seventy or something. The nicest you, man. You can shoot better than your dad though. Since he's not here, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> Second. So, okay. I figured you could. I figured you could. <laughs> no, he, I, I can outshoot him in, in my game just because I do it so much, but yeah. he, he can still humble me anytime he wants to. <laughs> okay. How does, um, how does trap shooting or what you do translate in the field shooting ducks? So what I shoot comparatively, um, it's called international trap and just, the short explanation of what that is. It's an underground bunker that has 15 trap machines in it. And they are coming, they can go anywhere from 45 degrees left to 45 degrees right and up to three meters high. So they're just a widespread of targets coming out. Um, the tricky part about them is you don't know the direction it's going and it's going about 75 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a bird, like let's say quail hunting, oh no, no quail aren't 
quite going 75 miles an hour, but mm -hmm. you flush a covey of quail and they get up and they're going any directions. I mean, you've got to be on them pretty quick. Mm -hmm. So it translates really well into <laughs> like pigeon shooting or upland hunting or anything like that. Yeah. So Anne-Marie, how does she do in the duck blind? She uh, knocking them down? Pretty dang Do you remember good. that double I hit? Uh, oh my gosh. Speaking of, I got my first double. <laughs> last yeah last friday nice. Nice. yeah i don't want to ruin it because I, I i know we're going to get around telling stories but uh, just speaking of that it was a perfect opportunity but yeah she knocks him down and on that uh note about the uh bunker trap that you do uh i was out at her place and i said hey i want to see how this thing works you know maybe i'm feeling good enough i've been hitting some clay targets maybe i'll get up there and shoot she goes all right here we go and i go did you press the button she goes yeah, two have come out. <laughs> she, yeah, she said, oh, is that the target? I'm like, yes, it is. So fast. Yeah, they're, uh, they're super fast. Oh, wow. my goodness. It, wow. It's insane. But yeah, nice. she's she's a good shot. So I'll, I will attest to that. Those ducks don't stand a chance. Mm -hmm. Are there any, uh, is there any shooting competition that would simulate something coming towards you and down? Yeah, for sure. That's sporting clays. So Shoot, coming toward you? Yeah. Yeah, really? sporting clays has like no... Like a duck is what I'm thinking. Yeah, it has yeah. no limitation of what the target can do and how it presents itself. So they can come at you, they can go over your head, they can cross, they can roll on the ground, they can... I mean, there's no limit at all to what they can do. Yeah. Hmm. Austin, how many ducks have you missed this year? A lot. Oof. Have you really? Yeah, I, so I had some issues with my gun. Um, <laughs> bent barrel? Not a bent barrel, yeah. but um, I, had, I had some work done on the forcing cone. Uh, on. On That's a really technical answer. On the shotgun, <laughs> and then put a third-party choke tube in there, and I was chasing, and, and I suspected there was something wrong with it, but was also being as self-critical as one should and hesitant to instantly blame it on the weapon. Um, but I had not been able to sh hit anything. Hmm. And then I I was chasing a cripple down, and it was, uh, it, it was that morning that it was three. Three degrees. Yeah, it was two way too cold to have a dog out there so we were chasing down a cripple and i was about 25 yards away from from the duck very carefully put my weapon up uh sensitive to the fact that i've been missing a lot i pulled the trigger and the gun patterned about halfway between me and the duck oh uh, wow um so called the folks that worked on it they said we'll send you a choke Send me brand new choke, and I'm back on the board. Really? Yeah. Man. So it was the choke messed up from the factory? No, it just didn't interact well with aftermarket modifications to the forcing cone. How, how does it? And it was a really understand. tight choke. Be honest, is this the choke that I bought you when you were like, hey, while you're at you know, so-and-so, <laughs> will you pick me up? You're smiling. It is the one. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> did you bend it? She did that on yeah. purpose. You sabotaged it. I don't know. Don't ask me. Interesting. So, so okay, well, I missed quite so a few. Had, but I, I wasn't trying to rub salt in the wound. I'm, I mean, yeah, I I'm just gonna leave start a fight. right now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's just the weirdest thing because every gun's different, and you know, you can take a hundred guns with a hundred identical chokes, and you may get fifty different results out of it. Wow. So nice. for the ones that you're missing, you have to tell your daughter is picking them up, Rayleigh. Yes. Yeah, she went on her first duck hunt this first year. First duck hunt, yep. Killed, mm. her, killed her first duck. Yeah, I saw she that. She did. Yeah. I saw that. Hey, I learned something about squirrel hunting two days ago when we had a real good squirrel hunt, is that the further they are away with a shotgun, the better chance you have of hitting them. <laughs> when they're close, they're tough. We were we were knocking down some squirrels. We were hunting in the Ozarks, and so 
there was one time when three of us were shooting at the same squirrel, timbering out across a ravine. And we'd ro- we'd ridden up on the mules, and the dogs were treed right across the ravine directly from us. I didn't I didn't have a rangefinder, but I really believe it was fifty yards. And when the when the dogs are treed, we ride up. We're on a deep ravine. You couldn't just get over there real quick. Like it would probably have been three or four minutes before we could have got over there. Well, when we get there, the squirrel breaks, and when they break and start timbering, they're heading for a hole. And so this is pretty much like the moment that we have. And there's three of us on mules, and we all three just like come off the saddle, boom, 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 and we killed that squirrel at probably fifty yards. There's no way we would have hit it if it had been like closer. Pattern spread out. So what I'm trying to say, Austin, <laughs> is that if you'd sky bust these ducks a little oh, more, oh, right. you'd have probably had a better chance of killing some. Well, you were using lead though, weren't you? Yeah. 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 Truth comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I think you need to talk about your squirrel hunt. I will at some time. I've got really interesting people. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> Squirrels. Squirrel hey, Palooza. You and I went squirrel hunting last year after we went duck hunting. That was that was an experience. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Is squirrel hunting a thing that you have I, done before? You know, not no, it, it isn't, especially yeah. with dogs. Yeah. So I'm sitting here thinking, have I ever been on a legitimate squirrel hunt? No, no, I haven't. So that was the first time. It's it's a lot it's of fun, especially when it's good. When yeah. it's when it's good hunting. And it was the other day. Yeah, yeah, we had a we had a great hunt. Yeah. On public land in Arkansas. State owned public land. Um Amazing. Beep, Austin. Beep. <laughs> <laughs> Look. <laughs> we have a conflict Ooh. of interest here. I want more people to get out on, <laughs> on public uh, land. Uh, well, we did ride we'll we did ride uh twelve miles and I mean part of squirrel hunt success <laughs> is just is just uh, if you if you stay out there all day long, you're just gonna kill stuff as opposed to yeah. going on a small little hunt. Right. Hey, I mentioned a state-owned WMA in this episode. Were you happy about that? I was very happy. Were you really? I was also not surprised. Hey, I had another story on there that they cut out because it was too. It, it told too many details. This is the render, people so wall that you broke or where no, no, no. or where no, no, or where I was. was. Yeah, all right. people get uh people get upset. With me about that kind of stuff. That's the reason okay. I put that disclaimer in the podcast. All right. Well, you can bleep it out. And he got. <laughs> I, uh, I saw a few on that. What's that? About where I was hunting that story that I told. I saw a few. On yeah, that. yeah. People got upset. You yep. saw a few comments. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Yeah, and I I tried to discourage. See, I was trying to keep Austin in mind by promoting the WMA, but then I was like, don't come here. <laughs> I was like, if you want to explore, go somewhere else. We confirmed we killed every squirrel. There are no more squirrels left. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so do you have any questions for Kaylee, Miss Newcomb? Well, I, I'm just, do you plan on competing again? So I, yes, I okay. do. I'm going to try for 2024 again. Okay. Awesome. And is there a point in your sport where people age out of it? Um, good question. That is a really good question. So shooting is as good as your eyes are. There's okay. not really a, it's not a super athletic sport. Okay. Um, so as long as you can see the target, you're, you're pretty competitive. Okay. I compete against girls who are in their fifties for sure. Okay. So it's the younger ones definitely have a little advantage there, mm-hmm. but there's not really a cap out age like gymnastics okay. or something like that. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What about hearing? 
shooting as much as you do, yeah. even with ear protection, do you think your hearing is compromised in any way? I'm sure over the years, because I've shot for 21 years now, so just in almost every day, and if it's not competing, I'm hunting or whatever. I'm sure it's taken a toll on that, but we there's technology is so awesome now. I have digital earplugs that like cancel out the shot and yeah. just I mean I mean so I wish I would have started on that because they'd probably be a lot better <laughs> than what they are now. But I it's it's as little as it can be. Yeah, man, hearing is a bummer for me. I it, the other day we shot a lot squirrel hunting and I was wearing just like at the first half of the day I was wearing just standard little squishy earplugs, mm-hmm. you know, and man. By the second half of the day, I was wearing full earmuffs, like, you know, which is a handful to keep up with mm-hmm. when you're shooting quick and not knowing when you're going to shoot. Yeah. But man, I came home that night and I was, I couldn't hardly sleep. He's got, I was going to say, when you asked her if her hearing was impacted, we should probably ask her spouse because I know for me, you have to, I have to sit at a certain spot in a room. So like, if we're going to whisper, if we're going to a meeting and we know we're going to whisper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 have, I, have I, go. I do have a, like a for real bad ear. Yeah. Like. That's, that's my dad. Cause I mean, he grew up in the, in the generation where you would just go out and hunt. There was no ear protection. So right, right. I joke all the time. He'll say what or huh? And I'm like, good grief. I just yeah. can't hear yeah. a thing. Yeah. I, I got a question. What, what's, I got two questions. What's your favorite thing to hunt? My favorite thing to hunt is ducks. All right. And yeah. I used to, it used to be just purely on, on killing the ducks, but now it's more of the environment and who I'm with and watching my dogs work. Oh, sure. That's, that's the age that comes along with yeah. it. So let me ask you this. Would you rather shoot a perfect score on the trap range or get a limit of ducks, which would be your favorite? Oof. Man. That's a hard thing. That's, that's a good wow, question. Wow, they're bringing the heat Ooh. today. Well, is the is the range at the Olympics? Yeah, or what, is it? <laughs> put this in context. Is this like an important shoot, no, think, or is this just like yeah. every day? I think the I think the Olympics would probably trump everything. Yeah, but, but just in a regular competition, uh, I'm gonna go ducks. Yeah, I'm gonna go ducks all day. I would have thought that. Yes, I'm gonna mm. go ducks. Good in so, Arkansas. Good. In Arkansas, for sure. Right Duck on. hunting in Arkansas. Hey. As so, last year we did a big, we did a, I think a three part bear grease series on the GTR, the Green Timber Reservoir situation. Can you give us an update sure. on that, Austin? Yeah. And, and fill in people who wouldn't even know what that means or kind of what, sure. just a, a short version of it. Yeah. So, one of the many things that made Arkansas duck hunting what it is and nationally famous is our green tree reservoirs which are um, household names around the state, like Biomita Wildlife Management Area, Hurricane Lake Wildlife Management beep, Area. Beep, beep. <laughs> We're beeping it out. <laughs> Dave Donaldson, Black River Wildlife <laughs> Management Area, Bio DeView. Um, and they're, they're natural low points. They're, they're all rubber bottoms um, that just naturally retain water. And we have put artificial infrastructure up since the 1950s to hold that water there to not only provide um, lots and lots of waterfowl habitat, but also public duck hunting opportunity. So you, so you can go in some of these GTRs. I might be going to one tomorrow uh, and you can hunt public land in the timber. Well, um, we did not know near as much as we know now about what red oak dormancy looks like. 
and as it turns out, we were artificially flooding uh, these red oak dominant uh, GTRs for decades, and we were doing it too early. Um, and so you take that combined with the fact that our infrastructure is all 60 to 70 years old and the fact that we're just seeing larger and more frequent major rain events than we ever have. We have a, a really, really serious problem in those green tree reservoirs with uh, the forest health. I mean, so oaks are dying. Yes. Oaks are falling over. Yeah. And it's not something like a food plot where, all right, if we lose a f- food plot this year, we'll just replant it next year. Right. I mean, these are these are 80-year-old red oaks that will take eight, 80 years to get back. So last year, uh, we took a big, a big first step forward uh, in being more proactive with how we manage water levels. I mean, we know exactly what to do on the natural resources side, but conservation always involves natural resources and people. And so we decided uh, to be more proactive with how we're managing water levels on these green tree reservoirs. And we also kicked off some major renovations at Hurricane Lake Wildlife Management Area and BioDeview. Um, Hurricane Lake, we finished the first phase on budget and ahead of schedule last year. So in calendar year 22, we, we, were able to more, we were able to pass more water out of Hurricane Lake Wildlife Management Area than we ever have. So uh, draining water draining off of it. Water, so it's just getting, getting water it yeah. off of the roots of these trees. Yeah, because yeah. what happens yeah. is we can get the water off of them, uh, but then once the spring rains hit, it often won't let up until June or July. Mm-hmm. And now it's summertime. These trees have come out of dormancy, and they got standing water on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what's the tree killer right there. So, so our goal as we renovate these GTRs is to drain water as quickly as possible. Uh, and we, we, we completed the first phase at Hurricane and saw really good results from it this year. Really? Uh, so you got some water yep, off? Yep. We're, we're underway with the second phase. Um, Earl Bus by the View Wildlife Engineer is going really well too. So, Fingers crossed by the end of, of calendar year 23, we'll have two completed green tree reservoirs and uh, one more major one launched. And so where, and that might not seem like a problem for somebody who sure. didn't understand the system of how this works, but people, you might be like, well, sure, drain the water off yep. the, the timber, no big deal. What that means is that it's, taken away at times of the year sure. duck hunting opportunity because you got to have flooded timber to that's have right. ducks. And so yeah. that's where the conflict with right. people comes in because all of a sudden there's people that have hunted these places. And, and had predictable water access on right. November 15th every single year. Unnaturally so. Right. Induced by humans. Right. And now we're saying, hey, we didn't realize that trees are... Yeah. What, what's the term you used uh, when, when something... Sheet flow? Well, no. What what I was thinking was a uh, like a like a long term response to something. Uh, you used a great term last year. Um, basically, you can start doing something to a tree today, and you may not know its effect until fifty years from now. Oh yeah, that that essentially they're lagging consequences. Yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, we're not going to see the consequence of what we did in two thousand twenty two until 2024 and 2020 and that's why it makes it such a complicated and interesting human thing mm-hmm. because there's all these guys yep. that have hunted their whole life they just thought this was normal mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden there's no water in their duck hole on opening day and they get mad at you know the powers that be yeah 
Yeah, okay. and so and that's and the but that's where education yeah. and yeah. us just saying, hey, this is mm-hmm. what we got to do to save this even for future generations. Let me ask a question: As someone like that would be in that boat. Does it do anything for the, I mean, if the did ducks... Did you listen to the podcast? I did last year. <laughs> I did. Um, does it do anything for the, is it harmful for the ducks? Like to, because they're predictably coming in. No. They, they just drown. find another they place? They drowned in that timber, no. I heard. Well, I'm just wondering, like, if what we're doing now, the management, does do they just... Nobody laughed. Do they just go somewhere else? Um, so there is a piece of that, that... that we know that just looking Arkansas-wide, we are already at a shortage of wintering waterfowl okay. habitat. Um, so are we making it, are, you know, are we compounding that uh, by artificially holding water later and later? I think we are to a degree. Today. We, yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, Biomeda is just one wildlife management area and it's 33,000 acres. So we have to t- take kind of the longer term approach mm-hmm. of if we lose that 33,000 acre resource, right. I mean, that's what we call anchor habitat mm-hmm. that is going to have a dramatic effect on everybody else around it too. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is very much not just uh, from the perspective of the duck hunters or the red oaks or the ducks all the way around. It is a short term sacrifice for a long term reward. Right. Mm-hmm. If is not good at, it affects us. Yep. Really. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. in, uh, you know, going back to this whole big picture thing, the state of Arkansas is 90% privately owned. So, I know in all this process, I've heard from a lot of private landowners saying, wow, we've been putting our boards in in October. You know, we're starting to see some dieback in our red oak trees too. So, maybe this is something that we need to go back and reevaluate. And the message is starting to catch on and get a bigger picture. Yeah. We can't just mm-hmm. focus on just our wildlife management areas, but these other ones. Uh, but these private lands as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you said last year, Clay, in that podcast series that that I've talked a lot about since is if you go anywhere in the United States and you find a critter that is treasured, it will thrive. And Because uh, people do, because something, people for do yeah. something for it. And from that perspective, I think it, it, if you look at, at the progress that the agencies had the past year, the public meetings we had, I think our Kansans deserve a whole lot of credit because uh, we ran four public meetings on it um, and we really haven't stopped talking about it the past 18 months or so. And the feedback from the public has been tremendous. Yeah. Um, and a lot of participation, a lot of participation, coming. a lot people of care. very interested people yeah. that don't yeah. like it, but they get it. Yeah. And, yeah. and right. I think our Kansans deserve a whole, uh, a whole lot of credit for, for, understanding the short-term sacrifice that we're going to have to make to keep waterfowl uh, what it is. As a body Mm -hmm. of commissioners, too, I mean, hey, this is your first year Mm -hmm. as directors when we put this through. And then as a body of commissioners, when, okay, one of our main revenue streams is license sales right now. We're Mm -hmm. trying to get more people into the sport of hunting, but we have this. And, you know, we... We're not going to have water at some times, but then we are. But we have to look at the big picture and down the road. Yeah. And know that our end goal is to make these areas better for our future mm-hmm. so that we can retain hunters, have quality waterfowl yeah. hunts in the state of Arkansas. So it all goes to the future. Yeah. I read a, awesome. when I was in college, there was a, I remember in one of my classes, one of my government classes, we talked about the role of government is really to think 50 years ahead, at least. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that it gets really tough because if you're doing, if government is doing its job, it's it's thinking about not just 
the current and the, the things that are happening right now, but thinking 50 years ahead, like how will, will we have these animals for our grandkids and mm-hmm. our, our great grandkids? Uh, but people have to sacrifice now for that to happen yeah. and they have to be willing to pay some costs right yeah. now for benefits that they'll never, they'll never receive. And yeah, that's a, this is a societal challenge, but yeah. mm-hmm. it sounds like Arkansas. And that's the way that I ended all of our public meetings last year where do we want to tell our grandkids what Biomeda mm-hmm. was like mm-hmm. or do we want to hear them tell yeah. us what it was like? Yeah. 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 That's good. You could always listen to the Bear Grease podcast <laughs> and hear Brent Reeves tell what it used to be like. Back in my day. <laughs> uh, no, that's good. That's a good update. That, that was a, that, that series for me educated me from like zero to you know, understanding what was going on over there. Because it's, man, the the problem with all this stuff is it's so, there's so many complexities from biological stuff to human stuff to social stuff to just communication stuff. Like they, all, a lot of the problems that not just water, not just wildlife managers are yeah. facing, but very complex issues. And, and we want something like easy and quick. And yeah, it just doesn't work like that. That's right. Pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service. It's called the Wellness Company. Picture this, okay? You wake up, you got a scratchy throat, you're all congested, you got a runny nose, you got a cough, whatever. And you weigh your options like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick, sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, on hand, strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater. But you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater. Okay. At twc.health slash meat eater. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off 
Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. The old timers say that the turkeys start gobbling when the leaves are as big as squirrel's ears and the red buds start popping. And we're about there. And we are there in the South. The Onyx Hunt app is one of my most valuable tools in the spring woods. With tools like coniferous versus deciduous tree distribution layer, you can save time by locating edges or transition areas of mixing habitats from home. Find an area like this with water in close proximity, and more than likely, there will be a goblin turkey nearby. Knowing the exact boundaries of private ground ensures I stay on the right side of the fence, but can easily find public ground to go see if I can't strike a gobbler. If you do get one to sound off, using compass mode and waypoints will help you pinpoint his exact location, allowing you to move in and make the perfect setup to bring him right into your lap. Download the Onyx Hunt app today. You'll be glad you did. Onyx has a special offer for you. Use code BEARGREASE to receive 20% off your membership at onyxmaps.com slash hunt this spring. Amory, have you had a good waterfowl season so far? I have had a good waterfowl season. Yeah? It's been good. Yeah, killed a, killed a good deer too this year. Was really happy really? about that. Yeah. How killed- big is a good deer? Uh, well, it was a nine point. I didn't score it because you weren't there, but okay. I think I scored pretty good. Joe, how big so, was it? Yeah. husband's here. Yeah, studio audience. Oh, that's a good deer. Yeah, that's oh, a nice yeah. deer. It is. Nice. I was I was really nice. pleased with it. Nice now I uh, I did attempt to do some bow hunting. Have yet to harvest one with my bow, but working okay. on that. But back to duck hunting, it's been great. Had okay. some had some really great hunts where we got our limits, had some really great hunts where we didn't get our limits. It's all about the fellowship. We talked mm-hmm. about that last week, the people that you get to make these memories with. Yeah. Did that has the migration in Arkansas been normal or you know, the, I'm was, amazed at the duck count stuff. I got a email from or was on an email chain I think from one of the biologist waterfowl biologist. Man, you're a real duck hunter. Yeah, oh, I'm big. And uh, <laughs> he's and, on the email and it was it was talking about duck numbers in the state. Like, is that is it been pretty normal this year? Good. Right now, it's been it's really good. Yeah, we're still below the cold. We're we're below the long term average, um, mm. but I think we're up like double digits from 2018 levels. Mm-hmm. It amazes me that you can count ducks with any kind any sense of like it being accurate. I still don't understand it. Uh, they. Got it down to an art, though. Y'all should What's hire me and Brent to do that. Like. I'm going to go on Thursday. You're going to uh, fly with them? Yep. So they, Misty, they, yeah, they fly. Yeah, let me tell you. I know. Okay. <laughs> they, He's on they, the email chain. Okay? Yeah, yeah. He is. <laughs> He's <a dumb> <laughs> That's right. I'm on the email chain. No, they, they basically fly grids over areas of, like, predictable duck habitat, and they get an estimation of numbers, just like humans and airplanes, like, guessing how many ducks there are. And then they expound the area that they flew and they go, okay, well, there's a hundred times more land than that with equivalent habitat in Arkansas. So they take what they actually saw and, you know, multiply it out and get an estimation for how many ducks are here. That's, that was pretty good. I'll report back. That was good. Austin's <laughs> was good that at that about right? Is that kind of what they do? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so is it weekly? No, we do one in December, one in January, and then I think one after the season closes. Isn't that right? That is right. Yeah, yeah they do the postseason fallout, which 
postseason, having that habitat for the ducks too is incredibly important. Yeah. When they're coming back. Not, well, well, when they're, you know, headed back Maybe not coming back, but I, just they're about to go back. Yeah. So Exactly. It, it's like a buck right after the rut. Like, they got to rest up. They got to put some pounds on because they were flying, you know, with the jet stream coming down and they're they're flying into it going back up. Oh. That's a long way. That's why they need those acorns, man. That's right. Man, I I hunted in the Delta a couple weeks ago for a week. And uh, I was keyed in on the the big acorns. Yeah, the upper cups. Yeah, Yeah. there were a lot of them. And then there was quite a few of the the smaller red oaks. We like those. That's what we want. I was gathering them up and uh, trying to hand feed them to all the mallards in a place (laughs) that we could. I'm kidding. I wasn't. The ones in your yard? Those are chickens, Clay. <laughs> yeah, man, I did see some ducks though. Oh man, did I see some ducks? Good, uh, I really did. It was pretty incredible, actually. I two or three evenings of bow hunting, we were we were real close to some water, and uh, it was incredible, man. I mean, mallard Good. ducks. We watched them all day. I mean, we saw. Yeah, there were no deer down there. Not a single deer. <laughs> uh, but before there were a lot you of went duck hunting, though, before you became. A duck hunter. Right. Last year. Last year. Would you before have thought you got on the email, email chain? Yeah, before exactly. you got on the email chain. Would you have right. thought anything of that, really? Like, oh, well, yeah, I there's just, some ducks I over just, there, whatever. I just wouldn't have. Uh, now, I would have been keyed in enough on, in the hunting space to value a duck. I mean, just been like, this is probably pretty cool. But without a knowledge base, which I got last year, I really, w- I, no. The answer is no. I mean, it, it, the ducks were. Uh, yeah, making all kind of calls. I was thinking about calling. I was th- I was watching how they were, like where they would be in the sky, and then where they would land, and how they would land. And I was thinking about the wind. And basically, they didn't do anything. Y'all told me they would. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, mm-hmm. yeah, duck hunters. I'm not sure if they know much about ducks. But uh, I'm just kidding. I'm getting, no one laughed. Laugh. I was supposed to get a big laugh. No, I didn't execute the joke that I way. I thought you were funny, Clay. <laughs> um. Have you have you duck hunted a lot this year, Kaylee? Oh yeah, yeah. And um, Aiden, we took him. You know, he's from California. Mm-hmm. Um, took him on his first duck hunt, and we went down to um, Bull Sprig, which is like a really nice hunting club down in Stuttgart. And it's flooded timber, and just like the when you think of Arkansas duck hunting, it's like that's the hunt. Okay. And I was trying the whole time. I was like trying to explain or put into context to him what this hunt was like. Mm. Like you, you are starting off at the top <laughs> and then we're going to go back home and I'll humble, like I'll humble you a little yep, bit, show you yep, what real yep. duck hunting's like. Yep. But no, we've been, we've been uh, quite a few times. I, I, um, I really enjoy working my dogs. I've got a dog that's pretty much got, got a, a lab college black education. Lab. I have a black lab. I have a yellow lab and I have a little English cocker. That's pretty fun to duck hunt. It really? Yeah. A retriever. That's mm-hmm. a cocker spaniel. Yeah. He's, he's now, between the black and the yellow lab is the black one better. So she has more drive. I will say, but she tore her ACL two years ago. So mm. she's just, I, I, am hesitant to take her on places I don't know just because she's got to jump off and she's got to climb. I don't know what the setting is for her, but, uh, the yellow lab, he's like I said, he's got college education. He'll call the duck in, go get it, clean it, cook it for you. He's a good dog. Yeah. He's now, really good dog. Are the black ones really better? I don't think so. I don't know. That's like an old yeah. tale really that I, from what I've heard, that's like, what lab started as and then you know the yellows came along and the yellows have been here for so long now they're equivalent to the blacks and then the chocolates just good luck with them because they're still, <laughs> they're still. So, the, so the chocolates are for real not good yeah and then you've got silvers and they're just a whole nother 
I don't consider that a real lab. Yeah, yeah, I don't either. Sorry, I just don't. It's, yeah. Oh, really? It's yeah. pretty. We're going that far, They're huh? pretty, but... Well, no, yeah. I mean... Brent, Brent, Black labs, Brent yellow labs, his lips and like, chocolate labs. That's that's yeah. the three. I, yeah. I, I, hey, you got to be passionate and have an opinion about stuff. Mm-hmm. I like this. Like chocolate but, labs out. Yeah, I would say chocolates have another fifty years before they're <laughs> considered on the black and yellow <laughs> level. I agree. You straight this, up asked favorite dog. Like what? Yeah. What's yeah. your favorite dog? I want to hear about your favorite squirrel dog. Oh well. Careful. Oh. Yeah, I think it's the other one. <laughs> this, I, 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 I don't I like want to get into this. This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is too treacherous a territory mm. to be on. It no, is I won't go there then. Feist. No, I like a feist. There's it, lots of dogs that treat a squirrel. There's mm-hmm. there's a ton of different kind of dogs that treat a squirrel. Um, I like the little feist just because they're little and fun. And they're very smart. Use their think, ears, eyes, and nose. I equally. think everyone needs a feist in their life. Mm-hmm. That's that is like my life philosophy now. <laughs> Britt, would they're you say if you said a black lab was the way to go? That's all. All of mine were always black labs. Yeah, I had one chocolate for a month. <laughs> month didn't yep. work out. That was four you got weeks a new too black long. lab. I did. You, you. It, how old is it? Coop is seven up, months. Right? Seven months. Yeah. Yeah. When's he? Is he at the trainer now? She. She. Uh, so she. This is a long story. <laughs> She's a great dog. Uh, she might be at risk for an ACL tear. Yeah. So how can you tell? Uh, I can't tell, but the vets can. Uh, and so that's that's kind of what we're waiting to see. We we might let her get a little bit older and before you invest a lot in yeah, her. Yeah, really. Yeah, but she she's a great dog. Now y'all have a older dog, Baron. Baron. Yeah, black lab. I've always had black labs. Black ones. Yep. You like one, the black ones. I do. They. Now, well, how old is Baron? Uh Baron is six, about to be seven. Okay. Is Baron so, named after a Baron airplane? Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> I got my pilot's license back in, I guess it was 2016. So I was like, oh, I'm going to name that. Baron. Yeah, you've got three current anymore. Four pilots sitting Just, here. Yeah, no kidding, wow. man. Yeah. I'm sitting here. Are you, are you a pilot? No. You say, well, dang. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, so we have a live studio Baron. audience today, too. We do. Yeah, Joe Dramus is here. Joe, hey, hi. And then, and then Aiden half. with you. Yep. Aiden, what's your last name? Connor Conley Conley Aiden Conley yeah live studio audience pretty really cool great. pretty special I wish Joe's. they would encourage us a little more yeah, could y'all like give laugh, applause here exaggerated and laughs <laughs> yeah we should have <laughs> Saturday Night Live <laughs> <laughs> we've not laughed at a couple of Clay's um, jokes so okay. if y'all could fill the yeah, gaps I think that would help help me out Joe uh, <laughs> he's wearing all his bear grease gear yeah he's got an acorn shirt on I like that he gets That's it good. Right. it's he, a vibe hey is there a difference between boy and girl dogs because you there got, is, yeah. Uh, okay. mm-hmm. Boy, we got yep. a long talk. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of difference. <laughs> no, we'll talk later. In terms of quality of, of hunters, because Clay's best best dog, best hound dog has been a girl. You've got a girl. Mm-hmm. Did I've always they, had boy dogs. You've had, okay. So there's no distinction in terms there of... There is. I think lot, there is. A lot I of guys like females too. better than males. Okay. Uh, they pay every, attention more. Every... Yeah. Big game hunter or squirrel uh-huh. dog man that I've ever met didn't want a male dog. I mean, you know, in general. Females are females. Because your squirrel dog, the girl, in your opinion, would be better. We could call it, There's lots of different names we could call them other than girl dogs. I prefer oh. female or Jip. <laughs> I'll just be honest. Jip does not sound like an upgrade. Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> does, does not sound like something I'd no, want to be called. Right there, dude. It's just normal. My experience, that's every male dog I've had has just been so sweet and... If it ain't broke, why yep. fix it? Okay. So Yep. Yep. Right. yep. Um we let's talk let's talk some duck hunting. Duck hunt duck hunting stories. What was your uh 
What was your Austin? What was your favorite story that you heard on the podcast? So we're we'll now transition into duck hunting stories, and then I want to hear sure. you three your favorite your favorite yep. duck story. But uh, from the podcast, like or or did anything stand out to you? Did you hear something that was like, yeah, identify with that, or that was cool, or yeah, uh, I would say two of the stories were noteworthy um, in my mind. The first was, uh, is it your your friend Scott from Jacksonville? Yeah, Scott Harness. Yeah. yeah. So he mentioned having that super interested friend that wanted to try to duck hunt, and he was very pessimistic about their likelihood yeah. for a successful hunt. It always happens. And I've that that's kind of the season of duck hunting that I'm in right now, where I care less about going to shoot four mallards as I do getting out there with new people, uh, showing them what duck hunting's all about. And one of the best hunts, memory-wise, that I ever had was one of those where I had somebody that said they really wanted to go, and they had been asking me for months about it, and I said, yes, we're going to go. And in the back of my mind, I knew we weren't going to kill a thing. Uh, and we did. Yeah. And then the other story that I thought was was just uh, f- fantastic was Brent's. Uh, mm. talking about Buckingham Flats. Um, and Right. <laughs> and I was talking to somebody the other day that had never duck hunted what it's like when a big group of mallards comes in. And this is before the podcast came out, and you said it was like rolling out a carpet, Brent. Yeah. The analogy that I used was it's like you're standing at the bottom of a, a staircase and someone rolls out a carpet yeah. and it just keeps coming. Yeah. And keeps mm-hmm. coming, yeah. and keeps coming, and the ducks are just like wave after wave getting down. Yeah, chill bumps on my arm right now just thinking about it, and I never think about that story that it doesn't happen. I don't, it's so weird. Yeah, mm. it was. That's how so you know you, you truly love it. Absolutely, yeah. mm-hmm. it was a not a life changing event. I mean, it wasn't like seeing my children born or anything, but it was like the least favorite kid. It was like seeing the least favorite kid. <laughs> <born>. it, was, <laughs> mm. it was right up there. So you've seen that a couple times. Yes. Mm-hmm. Just had like, yeah. like, like, do you think it was 500 ducks, 1,000 ducks, 200 ducks? I'd probably say between 350 and 500. It, it, it's just um, between the sheer volume of ducks around you that you feel like you, you can't even turn your head. And, uh, just the awe of it you almost want to put your gun down oh i've done it and just like take it all in because you know that it's fleeting and yeah and and it'll end Mm -hmm. but yeah cool it makes you feel like the first time i saw and heard and looked at an elk bugling in a place where and we didn't even kill this elk it was a huge elk but it's like man should i i don't know if i'm worthy of being yeah in the presence of watching this take place. It'll make you feel like like that. Mm-hmm. It did me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Anne-Marie, which of those stories stood out to you? Do you like any of them? Well, ditto what Austin just said on both of those stories. But I'm going to tell you the one that I was just flabbergasted by. And really, I'm just sitting there counting my blessings thinking, wow, I've never had something that scary mm. I know happen to me. Say. Knock on wood. But uh, the... First off, the story about Jimbo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. For real. Out there. Mm. I mean, and him talking about covering up his face and he's yeah. afraid to take his hands down because yeah. he's afraid yeah, yeah. about what, what he's going to see. Um, I, I can't imagine being in that situation and knowing Jimbo, 
when he said he just kept his cool, he said, Hey, we're going to get in the boat, head back to the truck and, you know, go, um, that I, I couldn't believe that he held it together to do that because I think I, I think I would have lost my mind. I think anyone yeah. I know would have lost their mind yeah. if someone yeah. had been shooting at them. Yeah. So, uh, that really stood out to me and oh my gosh, the guy in the houseboat who fell, fell off into uh, yeah. 20 foot of water. Jim Stinson. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> Woo. I mean, I've been, you know, baptized in the, in the duck water before. But <laughs> not, like, not like that. Oh my goodness. I, I know. And him talking about those two, two boys that died. died. Right. Right. That was, that was just nuts. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So those, those stood out to me because that was, that was just insane. Yeah. Jim's story, he, I thought he did a good job of telling the story. Mm-hmm. Like, just saying, like, I, I'm sitting there, like, looking at him, like, did you get shot in the face? Yeah, and I never the scar. Yeah, and, it, and, then he, and then he said he put his hands down and, and, and he wasn't shot. But, man, you know, not being uh, exposed to a lot of duck hunting last year when I was hunting, man, any, and it, it's the same way with squirrel hunting with sure. four or five people. Man, when you got that many people with guns with moving targets, like gun safety is a big deal. Really big deal. Big deal, yeah. I, I take it seriously. Oh, you you got to. And you got to make sure everybody around you does too. Mm-hmm. You know, like so Bear and his buddies are starting to do some squirrel hunting and stuff on their own. And they even went duck hunting on their own the other day. Good. And um, right. they, I told Bear and one of the other leaders of the crew – I said, hey, you guys have got to absolutely like cram it down these other guys' throats about gun safety. And I have a little spiel I do where I grab an empty shotgun and and give them every possible way that you could point that gun at your buddy and not realize you did. You know, like when you pull your gun down and drop it to your waist and then turn around and point at everyone in the in the in the hole. And, and and then, you know, talking about shooting up, yep. how when you're shooting up at a squirrel or something, you often come down with a gun off safety and loaded. And then, you know, where's everybody else at? But anyway, yeah, I think about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think the one that time. creeps up on people is when a dog is out there working, yeah. you put your gun on the tree. Mm. Because you got to watch yep. that. The ducks come in, everybody shoots, and then there's a cripple or and, – and, and people start shooting at the cripple, and the duck dog takes off, and they can get bad quick. Yeah. 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 We're all animal lovers here. That's right. Come store pups. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. probably some of my greatest memories on the duck story part, uh, hunting with my dogs over mm-hmm. the years. I know, Kaylee, you mentioned that. One mm-hmm. that uh, comes to mind, I had a dog. His name was Boomer, another black lab, and uh, he had throat cancer. And, you know, we knew we only had a little bit of time left with him. And Joe and I were dating at the time. And Joe was really attached to this dog, too. I mean, we we loved him to death. And we said, okay, we can't take him out in the morning. He doesn't have the energy. But we want to take him on one more hunt. And we go out there in the afternoon. It warmed up a little bit. Nothing flying. Joe and I are just sitting there. I have a picture of Joe with his arm around him in the duck blind. And they're just sitting there looking at the sky, just having a good time. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is a memory, you know. He's not going to get his last duck, probably, but at least we got to go out here with him. But Joe ended up killing one mallard, mm-hmm. and Boomer went out and got it and brought it back, and then Aww. he died. Yeah, yeah. His, la- his last hunt. Last huh? hunt, last retrieve. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty special. Cool. Yeah. Um, I I probably should have had you tell your favorite story while you were telling which story you liked. 
Usually, this is what we do, Kelly. I, I, I ask people what part of the podcast they like. Did yeah. one of those stories stand out to you? I, I would say but all of them that they mentioned, but the one that stood out to me most was um, J- Jimbo. Mm-hmm. And it, it relates back to anybody that comes to our shooting lodge or my shooting lodge. Gun safety is the first thing that we teach, and I have a ton of people that come to get better at duck hunting. And I always tell them before they leave, like gun sa- gun knowledge is gun safety, right? So knowing mm-hmm. where your gun is pointed at, knowing how that gun operates, knowing where your safety's at, knowing your environment that you're in, who's got the dog, is the dog working, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it just brought back those, I've never been in that situation, but it brought back those teaching moments that I've had for people because you can never be too safe when you're hunting, especially with a yeah. bunch of people or especially with somebody who's never been before. They don't, yeah. they don't know any better. They could just be sitting here talking to you, thinking everything's safe, but it's pointed right at Misty or, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. just, that really stood out to me. And it's, it's one of the things that I stress every single shooting lesson that I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, before we leave, y'all help me remember to, we need Kaylee to tell us about her, 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 her lodge and what she's doing. But, mm-hmm. Tell me your, we'll go back this direction. Tell me your, uh, well, Brent, what was your favorite? Hold on, Kaylee. <laughs> Brent, which one of those was your favorite one? Let me tell mine. Okay, great. Thanks, Brent. My favorite one was, uh, <laughs> my, I like the duck retrieve story that Jimbo told. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was Katie? pretty cool. Yeah. yeah I just thought the way he told it too, I, I like I just like hearing Jim Ronquist talk. Yep. Did, which one stood out to you, Brent? Oh, let's see. I like the, the Piro story. Because yeah, yeah. I have a Piro, and really about the only difference in a Piro and a submarine is the way you spell it. <laughs> they both going to wind up on the bottom before it's over with. Yeah. But they are handy when you can keep water out of them. Yeah, that was a good story. But I Trolling motor going around in circles, that thought it direct, was a gator. The direct drive thing, yeah. And shearing a motor in a pen, come mm-hmm. on, that's a rookie mistake. you got to tote a pocket full of little... Jim Stinson, he was 19 years old. I man. know, but you got you to gotta tote the pocket. I bet he does nails. now. <laughs> no. I would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I could talk. Jim Jim was such a neat guy. Like, he didn't know. I don't think he's ever listened to a podcast before. <clears throat> he wouldn't have known anything about this podcast. And we just showed up at his office and I uh, just said, tell me your favorite duck story. And he just started talking. And he told me like three all in a row and I trimmed him up but he he was a neat well if i could would, if i could add one other thing it was the stuff about mr alvin yeah yeah i figured you're gonna get into that yeah mr alvin taylor and i were very close friends and mm. um uh i was talking to amy on the way up here today and i said i'm coming what i told her what we were doing and i asked her amy's my oldest daughter she's 34 now and i asked her no 31 and i asked her about Mr. Alvin, and she said, "Oh, Daddy, I have such fond memories." When she was probably six, five or six, of just sitting on a stool in there in his shop while me and Mr. Mr. Alvin worked on duck calls, and she said she could smell the wood when he was turning the wood, the coca bola and stuff in mm. there. But he was, um, he was, a, he was a pretty cool cat. A lot yeah, of, a lot of funny. Hey, pick stories. up that duck call, Austin. Would you have known the name Alvin Taylor? Yes. Yeah. So that's pretty. So this one, t- t- talk to him about the the what you told me about the shape of that. Oh, the the, the shape. So of he's it. got an acrylic duck call, which I would have. Yeah, it looks just like he was plastic. Except I remember going in there. This is the first call I ever got from him, and he was looking at. He said, "What is that call right there?" He says, "You do you know how to hold a and blow a duck call?" And I'm like, "Yes, sir, I know how." 
And he said, well, if you were going to show somebody, what's the best way you could tell them how to hold this duck call? Wait, the way you put it up to your mouth and blow on it. And I said, well, I don't know. He said, well, look at it now. I said, oh, it looks like a Coke bottle. That's right. He said, that's the way. So when you take a sip out of a Coke bottle, that's the way you put air. So, into but the he, bottle. it looks like he made that. I mean, not all duck calls look quite as much like a Coke bottle as that. Am no, I but right? that's, that's correct. But this, that's where, that's what he was after when he made this design right here. Looks like a Coke bottle. It looks like the top of a Coke bottle. And that's the way you put, the way you would sip out of a Coke bottle is the way you put air into it. Yeah. That's cool. That's it. Yeah. So he's got three Alvin Taylor. They even got his name on them. They say, Alvin Taylor, four. Yep. Rent. Mr. Alvin signed off. I've got, that's just a few that I brought up here, but I've got several of them. They're all really special. It's, it's a pretty good pile of money laying right there. Yeah. His calls are expensive. I've seen them on eBay before. Yeah, six, seven, eight hundred bucks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty cool. 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 Um, Kaylee, favorite duck story, just of your, your stories. So I have a nickname when our, in our little duck hunting community, and it's called Beaver Run. So we, um, just like Anne-Marie here, I'm familiar <laughs> with the baptism of being there it is. in duck hunting. So mm. every year, I, I kind of have two, but it, it, this is just like an ongoing memory because it happens every year at least four or five times. So where we hunt is flooded cypress, and it's behind our house, and there are just beaver runs everywhere. And for the longest time... I was the duck dog. So my dad and all his buddies would okay. kill them and they'd go and they say, Kaylee. They'd, so I'd go out there and I'd go get the duck and bring it back. And it, I, every time I would find a beaver run and just whoop, there I went and it would just be up to my, up to my chest and I'd be soaking wet and freezing. And it was just miserable. It went on for years. So I was like, I'm tired of this. I'm going to get a dog. So I got my first dog about four years ago, Max, the yellow lab. And I thought, finally, like, I don't have to go out there in the beaver runs and, and, and fall under. So I get this dog, send him to college. He gets all educated. He's supposed to be great, you know, this, this new best thing. Bring him on his first duck hunt, and I'm trying to set up his stand in the tree. And I swear, if it's not a two-foot radius, that I fall four times <laughs> because I'm messing with the dog. And it just it just continues to happen. So it's an ongoing memory so that is added dog, to. you got the dog, but you still falling Still falling runs. down. And, yeah. So, um, and then I would say my, my best memory uh, with duck hunting is my very first duck hunt I went on with my dad. Uh, my grandpa and him built this duck blind out behind our house. And I just begged and begged and begged to go with him for, for years. He's finally like, all right, you're, you can hold a gun. You're old enough. Let's go. And he had bought me for Christmas duck house shoes. They had a little, they were mallard house shoes. They had a little duck on them. And I was just obsessed with them. And I thought that's what you, I should wear in the duck blind. <laughs> <laughs> of so course. It was, uh, it was freezing cold. It was probably 20 degrees outside, which is cold for a, a kid. And I have these mallard house shoes on, and I'm sitting in the duck blind, and it's just, I mean, ducks are everywhere, which is, it's hit or miss at home. And um, I, I just remember sitting with my dad. We had a heater. He had made coffee and homemade biscuits, and I had my duck mallard shoes on. And just, I, I, I don't think I killed a duck that year, mm. but it was just going with my dad and my grandpa mm-hmm. and the duck blind he got and my mallard house shoes. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Amazing. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. Good. 
Anne-Marie, Can I go favorite again? dog story. All right, I know I jumped the gun on the dog earlier, but it seemed like the good segue. Oh, it was great. It was, it was good. It was, oh, I was it, it, so that yeah. was your story? She no, did. that was one of them. Okay, one of them. I came with multiple. I thought great. it was great. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, similar to Kaylee, grew up going duck hunting with my dad and my brothers. And getting all dressed up, I can distinctively remember the smell of chapstick, Hot chocolate and honey buns. I know that's a weird combination, but that and, you know, just getting zipped up in my coveralls and I would sit on a dog stand and just watch and watch. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. It was like sitting back to watch, I don't know, the Razorbacks play in my mind Mm -hmm. as a little girl was watching all these ducks come in and everyone get their limit and then going back to school on Monday saying, we got our limit this weekend. Like it was a, it was a really big deal. So that's pretty special. Mm Mm-hmm. Another really fun memory. Another one. There's, with- so, there's some cool pictures of you when you were a little girl. Yeah, at you your seen duck them. camp. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Holding all the ducks. Uh-huh. Oh, so, there's some gadbles yeah. in there. It's real duck special. Duck hunters <laughs> are good, Misty, at taking pictures and, and documenting. Yes. For real. Like any duck yeah. camp you go to is going to have just yeah. a lot of real photographs on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really do. So that, that was pretty special. Then when Joe and I first started dating uh, back when we were in high school, going out and uh we it was water was froze up that morning and we said okay we're gonna go on an afternoon hunt so we go out and we don't think we're gonna kill anything we end up with our limited ducks in like 15 minutes and we just started dating we were high-fiving i mean we we're just did we just become best friends Joe was like, hey, <laughs> hey this might you work do karate this girl, this girl knows how to duck hunt. <laughs> so so that that was that was really special You know, whenever I look at pictures of my kids from the past year or even just a few months ago, I'm so amazed at how fast they're growing up, and then it hits me hard. I'm getting older, too. That's why planning for my family's financial security has become a top priority. Making sure we're prepared and having enough life insurance in case something unexpected happens and I'm out of the picture is crucial. And Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to get the protection that's right for your family. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents and for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at Meet fabric.com slash bear that's m-e-e-t fabric.com slash bear meet fabric.com slash bear policies issued by western southern life assurance company not available in certain states prices subject to underwriting and health questions pay attention here because this is a hell of a good service it's called the wellness company picture this okay you wake up you got a scratchy throat you're all congested you got a runny nose you got a cough whatever And you weigh your options, like you tough it out, get sick, take time off work, try to get a doctor's appointment sometime in the next few months, wait two hours at urgent care and sit in a room full of sick sick folks, or you open your medical emergency kit. You match your symptoms to the doctor-recommended prescription, and you start on the right meds right away. These medical emergency kits, not a first aid kit, all right? It comes with doctor-prescribed meds to treat over 39 medical issues. So, 
on hand. Strong antibiotics for infections of all types. Plus, a doctor's easy guide so you know exactly what to take and when. No waiting to see the doctor. No waiting at the pharmacy. It's all in there. Every home should have at least one medical emergency kit. Order yours online in minutes. Your kit will be rushed to your door. Get 15% off at twc.health slash meat eater, but you got to use the promo code meat eater. That's promo code meat eater, okay, at twc.health slash meat eater. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. Mr. Booth, duck story. Um, so like a lot of duck hunters, I started duck hunting for one reason and it had nothing to do with, with ducks. It was cause of my dad and I went not just so I could see ducks, but so I could see my dad in his element. Mm. Um, and I probably duck hunted, I don't know when I was six or so. So 30 years ago. And, um, you know, I remember the exact things we used to get at the gas station. 20 ounce bottles of Coca-Cola, uh, peanuts that we put down in yep. the Coke bottles, mm. Austin cheese and peanut butter crackers mm. and some honey buns. Uh, and so that, you know, that was just a ball for me to, to get to hang out with my dad that much and be in pursuit of something together. Mm-hmm. Well, the week before last, my nine-year-old killed her first duck and she had, she had, she had gone and shot with Kaylee she did the yeah. day before um and sh- she she's nine um and i tried to get her to use the 870 that i'd learned to shoot and i think it's a little bit too heavy for her. we uh mm-hmm. was we like downgraded a little to the 410 i started shooting oh, we okay. put her in a 410 and okay. she she hit a bunch of clay targets yep. yeah yeah and 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 then we went up the next morning uh in flooded green timber and i told her I said, now, you've never seen ducks work like this before. I said, when the first group comes in, I don't want you to shoot. I just want you to drink it up. And you just watch them come in. That way, when the second group comes in, you'll have a frame of reference for what your shot looks like. And, uh, you know, she's nine. She's sitting on a dog stand, and she's doing so good. She's not whining. She's not cold. She's not fidgeting. (laughs) She's quiet. She's just drinking it up. And that first group comes in, and it's just 
it's textbook. They read they read the script textbook. And now was anybody else shooting, or did, did yes, y'all let them yeah, light? It was me and two other adults. Uh, we didn't let them land, but okay. um, you know we we shot them when we were supposed to, and it was perfect. And as soon as the gun silence dies off, or or the gun noise dies off, she just squeals. She goes, that was amazing. <laughs> and then the next group that came in had a little bit more light now, so it's easier for her for her for her to shoot. She put up a twenty eight gauge semi automatic and uh it was a green head that was the first one in the hole and he's sitting there fluttering. And uh she picked that gun up, pulled the trigger, and he dropped. Oh man! Oh, and uh, nice. there were three adults in the hole, and there was not a dry eye. Oh, and mm-hmm. so, so mm-hmm. you know, being thirty-six years in advance of what I enjoyed so much, now sharing it with her just meant the world to me. Yeah, cool, man. That's great. Misty duck hunters are sentimental too. I like the role that I'm playing in today's podcast. Mm-hmm. It, um, I'm like the the uneducated person over here who needs Clay to kind of fill in. <laughs> like, I, I appreciate that. That's what, But I am uneducated when it comes to duck hunting. I've never been before. Mm-hmm. My favorite duck story is that Amory has invited <laughs> me to go with her. have never been before? I've never been before. <laughs> we I've get this been, whole crew yeah. that's in here. Studio audience yeah. and all. No, she's, Amory's invited me to go with her. Yes, I and know. And so I'm, I'm super excited about it. Mainly, I want to cook a duck. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 I yeah. used Clay's... Clay's suggestion last time, and it was no good. So I have done some research. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I told Bear, I said, hey, if you, our son Bear, I, I mean, kind of went out. He really, he enjoyed duck hunting with Clay last year. And he and some, some buddies decided that they, they thought they found a, a duck hole up here, which was yeah. a long shot. And, and anyway, but they went out, and I told them, if you get a duck, I'm going to, I've got recipes. And. We'll have a big party tonight. So if I, if, yeah. And I also, the other thing I would like for Kaylee to show me how to shoot. Do you think she can fix my. Oh, that'd be great. Yes. Right eye dominance problem. Yes. <laughs> you're going yeah, right, to shoot, shoot with both eyes open. Yeah. 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 You need to come see me. Yeah. I've, I'll, I've, I'll fix you up before you go on your duck yeah, hunt. Yeah. yeah. I'd like yeah, to. Yeah. We need to do that. Yeah. I'd so like Missy, to. my daughter is right-handed, but left eye dominant. Is she? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's yeah. tough. Yeah. It is tough. It is tough. And I didn't know I was until Brent Reeves told me this is. This is your, this is a problem. <laughs> yeah, Clay that, told that me was to your bear sh- I think being left eye dominant and being a right hand shooter is kind of like having like food allergies that aren't real. <laughs> oh, stop. Listen, you this guy. I mean? That's an outrageous statement. I have no <laughs> idea. I just, this guy, when he gets a, when, when, Clay doesn't have a lot of tolerance for weakness. I'll just tell you all that, okay? He's a, he's this a fantastic, he's a fantastic, fantastic husband, excellent father, but. Like people come in and say that they're they're gluten free or they're this or that, and Clay's like, mm, probably not. That's not true. And it's like, well, he's got celiac <laughs> like, no, disease. Not. I did that today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rub some dirt on it. But you right. should see him when he gets a cold. I mean, it's like it doesn't oh, happen cold. very often, but when it happens, he's out. I mean, completely. Five <laughs> yeah, days. Yeah, once and every twenty five years, I get a cold. <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got stories, y'all. I've got stories about. Claim. Uh, okay, I will not okay. share. I will not share. On. I was not allowed to even give an introduction today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to my original point: duck hunters are very sentimental people, <laughs> and that comes back to 
I thought Scott Harness, he did a good job of describing something that from the outside, when you become a duck hunter, like I have become, it is an incredible amount of work very early in the morning, very cold, very wet, very, like, for real, sometimes it's like, wow, this is a lot of work. And a lot of emails. A lot of emails. emails. A lot of email chains. A lot of emails can go through. You are invited back. And and what what Scott (laughs) described to me, and he kind of said it on on, on his story, was that there's so much surface area for human interaction, but also interaction with boats, trucks, dogs, shotguns, ducks, and waterfowl. Like there's a... There are a lot simpler things that you could do in, in an outdoor space oh. that would just be like, hey, let's like grab a shotgun and like walk through the woods and still hunt squirrels. I mean, just as an example, like, like that's pretty simple. Yep. Duck hunting is not simple, but it's very. It's also rarely does someone go duck hunt by themselves. Like you definitely can, and people do, but generally, I mean, I would say the vast majority of duck hunting is totally about the people that you're with. Mm. It really is. It's a social endeavor. It 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 really is, mm-hmm. and uh, and so it it really is a unique culture. But it it has a lot of surface area for stuff to go wrong. That's kind of what Scott was saying, was that there's a lot of surface area for stuff to go wrong, for wild stuff to happen. And he was saying that duck hunters are story collectors. They're not really after ducks. Like if you're a deer hunter, like you're really trying to kill. You're trying to kill a deer, and and a lot of times the success really might be whether you killed one or not. And you're alone most of the time too. So it's a solo. Mm -hmm. It's it's pretty much a solo endeavor. And uh, but duck hunting. Yeah, I think you can hear that in all their stories. Um, I always say there's there's like an inverse relationship between the amount of snacks that our kids get and their passion for hunting. And so Bear and Clay will go hunting, and it's like, y'all going fast for three days, and here's a can of sardines, like, you know, Clay, but then if he'll, if he'll take one of our girls. Are you saying because Bear is a passionate hunter? Yeah, like there's we an inverse, don't yeah, no snacks, much. no quality snacks. Gotcha. There's another one that gets like, you know, it's like going to a candy shop every time they go hunting. But I appreciate these stories. I think it's like, these are, y'all's stories are, especially for someone who, who hasn't grown up in that world, in the duck hunting world, your stories, all of you had several honey bun mentions, uh, some biscuits, homemade biscuits. You know, I think that there is something about the food and the, the socialization aspect of it and bringing your kids and having that multi-generational experience. Yeah, it's, it's major. Yeah, it's, it's, you can hear it. And the whole duck it. camp, like that's something that, that I missed out on because Gary Newcomb was such a diehard bow hunter. Mm-hmm. Like he, we didn't, like... We didn't really want to have a big camp. I mean, just mm-hmm. he'd say it today. It, it, and that's what's cool about duck hunting. And it's also what's cool about me not really knowing much about duck hunting until I was an adult that I think makes me value it. And um, yeah. and the emails that come along. And those mm-hmm. emails, man. Boy, yeah. I get those duck emails from Luke Naylor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, duck season's only 60 days. And deer season, you've got this bigger span to yeah. do it. That's true. From September. It's more concentrated. Yeah. Like you get 60 days and guys hit it hard. And they do. It's amazing how people are so obsessed with it and the idea of duck camp. And you think about it, you're like, wow, it goes by so quick. Yeah, and you can't miss a day of it. 
you got to go because today may be the day. That's right. That's it right. might oh, be the day. Yeah. You can't think, kill them from the couch. I think My, duck hunting, too, that outweighs them any other hunt is, or any other hunting, is it kind of after season still carries on through the rest of the year because you have dogs that you're training mm-hmm. and working and preparing for the next season. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I think it's it sets itself apart from deer yeah. hunting or yeah. Like yeah. So yeah, true. Yeah, year-round thing. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Kaylee, tell me about your business. And I asked her before the podcast, I said, is your shooting how you make a living and what you do? So, yeah, what? tell, yeah. tell me what you do. So um, my full-time job is Athlete on Team USA. So with that, I opened up a shooting lodge uh, called Cypress Creek Shooting Lodge. It's out in Greenbrier. And it's basically a place where it's a training facility. It's a place where you can come and learn how to kill ducks. You can learn how to clay target shoot. You can try squirrels. some uh, squirrels, whatever. We don't discriminate. Um, I could I could probably put on a clinic. Yeah, you probably could. What <laughs> <laughs> um, not to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we I have a training facility there that coach. I love to coach the younger generation and just get them involved because shooting is one of those things that if you're not the best athlete, if you're not a football star, basketball star, whatever, um, you can pick up a gun and I can probably get you to to be as good as you want to go with it. So Mm -hmm. um, have the shooting lodge there out in Greenbrier and we have every clay target discipline that that you could shoot. There's a bunch of different disciplines, sporting clays, Olympic trap, American trap, whatever. So. Mm. And so how would people, would they, how would they get your services? So like they can go. Book a, is it like a couple yeah. hour thing? Or yeah, is it however, you, however long. Amory's been out a couple times. Austin's been out. His family, um, Joe's been out. But uh, you can go to cypresscreekshooting.com and there's a, a whole lot of information on that. Or send us an email at booking at cypresscreekshooting.com. Either nice. one. Nice. I want to do a plug for people who may want to get into duck hunting. And that is. Go visit someone like Kaylee or a Game and Fish shooting range and shoot a gun first before you go out. Yes. And we have instructors at all of our Game and Fish facilities and obviously Cypress Creek. That's where that's where I go. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Kaylee's straightened me out a ton. But go and learn the proper way to do it, just like Austin did with his daughter. And you enjoy the experience so much more because I remember the first time I ever shot a shotgun. It was like, oh, here, you know, your brother's done this. You've seen it enough. Shoot it. And I shot it. And, you know, it just about knocked me down and it. It kind of scared me, and I was afraid yeah. to shoot a shotgun for a while. Yeah. So I wish that I'd done, you know, the proper outlets to do mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. it, it's incredibly important. It makes yeah. things more enjoyable. Yeah. Know how to shoot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. I got so I've got a lot of questions about shooting. Um, I know. I'm super curious because Anne Marie, you're. I mean, you're a seasoned hunter, mm-hmm. and yeah, you're you're getting. You're you're improving as a result of of going to Kaylee. Yes. So she's able to help. Like, and then Austin's daughter is a brand new. I, that's that's kind of fascinating to me. That so earlier we were talking about eye dominance. Uh-huh. I shot. So it's I'm left. I'm left handed. I shot right handed. <laughs> for it did just get real. I shot right handed forever because that's what my dad and my brothers did. I thought, okay, they shoot right handed. That's what I'm going to shoot. I was out at the range one day shooting trap with somebody, and they go. I go, yeah, you know, kind of got to work on it a little bit. And he goes, well, I, you know, what eye dominance are you? I said, well, I don't really know. I think, I think I'm right. I did the test left eye dominant. She started shooting left-handed, made the biggest difference in the world. Yeah. Well, going to, interesting. No, it are you is. left-handed? Right. I am. I'm left-handed. Okay. So. But I do some things right-handed. So this is back in, I don't know, 2000, 
15. So I'd gone a majority of my life just shooting right-handed and just kind of figuring it out, adjusting Uh to it and, you know, get some decent shots. And then in the past few years, I'm like, I feel like I could do some brushing up and improve even more. Yeah. I I was a fine shot. I could go out and have a good duck hunt, but I want to be better. So I went and. That's so interesting. My shell bill has been, has been cut in half. It's great. Mm. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Never thought of it as a financial move. It's an yeah. investment. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Shotgun shells are expensive. Kaylee, at the highest levels of competitive shooting, how much of it is natural talent and how much of it is years and decades of That's a great tra- question. Training. So at my level, it becomes how much work you're going to put into it. After you learn the fundamentals of the game, it all becomes mental. And it's who, for example, at the Olympics, I'd never been on that stage. I was competing against a girl who is a three-time Olympic medalist. This is her fourth Olympics. She's seen that platform before. Yeah. So she Did beat me. She, she beat me by one target. She got oh, gold God. by one. But at that level, one target doesn't define you know, in my well, like, she beats it you about one target. One target. Yeah, yeah it wow. doesn't define if she's a better shot or if I'm a better shot. It, it's. It's the stage that you're on. So at that level, it's just who's going to outwork who. I bet that. you could have beat her up. <laughs> she's pretty mean. She wears a do-rag. And she's like, <laughs> yeah. she's, Where was she from? She's, she's from Slovakia. Oh, okay. okay. So, but she's the sweetest person. Okay. She speaks like 17 languages. She's just, she's a very wow. cool girl. Yeah, she's, wow. she's, uh, she's really cool. So the, the, much of the shooting is, is but you've got to be naturally really talented though the biggest part in shooting is learning how to use your eyes and anybody can learn that whether Mm. you're right eye dominant left eye dominant right handed left handed that doesn't doesn't matter when it comes down to it it's how you learn to use your eyes so if I were to take you out and a big flock of ducks come in Mm -hmm. and I say hey Clay what did you see on those ducks you'd be like I don't know I saw 30 or 40 ducks I can see the green around its neck. I can pick out a detail on that duck, and that's hmm. what separates what I'm going to shoot versus what you're going to shoot. Hmm. So it's just really learning how, how to wow. use what you have. I remember oh, a guy one time on a it was some type of training instructional video saying that he was trying to count the wing flaps of crows. Yeah. When they're just like, and I, I, I think about that a lot. I don't do it very often, but... Yeah, that's interesting. So it's yeah. it's all about it's all about it's about detail. Like when Anne Marie comes down, I make mm-hmm. her pick out a detail on the clay target that we're shooting, whether that be the center dome or the ridges really? that's on the clay target or the black rim. Hmm. I, because if she's looking at a hole, she's looking at a whole picture. Her sight is going to be a little bit different. Her aim is going to be a little bit different. If she might be a little left, and because she's seeing the whole picture, she's going to say, "I feel like I was right on it." But if you hone in on the detail, now we can say, "Okay." So our, what do you look at when you shoot a a clay pigeon. Uh, I'm I'm trying to see detail, whether that's a light spot on it from the sun, whether that's a shadow, just any kind of detail that I really? can pick out on it. Aim yeah. small, miss small. Yeah. Wow. It's like a therapy lesson when you go out there talking with her and her dad and figuring it all out. And once we did that and I realized, okay, I've been using my eyes wrong for mm-hmm. this long, you start knocking them down. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And it's so much yeah. more fun. Yeah. yeah. So if I was going to toss my phone to you and say, hey, catch this. I throw it up. The first thing that you're going to look for is your eyes are going to look for it and your hands are going to know where to go. Shooting is the same same concept. It parallels with your hand-eye coordination there. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. You're ready, Misty. You think I'm ready? You're ready, girl. I don't want him around because he doesn't believe that I have a condition. (laughs) (laughs) 
We've been over this. He doesn't believe in conditions. But when he gets a cold, it's on. I'm just I have a feeling you're, you're shooting, learning that would uh, – there's a guy – I, I don't I don't know him well, but there's a there's a guy that does some traditional archery bow hunting classes, and most of his stuff is about mental mm-hmm. understanding of shot sequence. Named Joel Turner, he, he seems like a good guy. I don't know him, but uh, he he talks about like you're either he's talking about traditional archery where you don't have sights like mm-hmm. would be with a gun. Yeah, and uh, he talks a lot about sequence and knowing what you're going to do before before you shoot yep and it kind of makes you when you hear him talk you go yeah i guess i'm just kind of guessing a lot yeah but i'll tell you what it works good for squirrels when they're a long ways away <laughs> and you just keep shooting guessing okay great well um that was, man, funny. I've I've like <laughs> throw up like funny. multiple bad jokes that I <laughs> yeah, just uh, I was so looking sorry. for a little Maybe more. Maybe it's the yeah. studio audience today. We're it, all a little Joe. more critical. Yeah, they've been kind of quiet. Give me a laugh. <laughs> I mean, I, I was my whole thing about let the squirrels get far away and just kind of you have a little more room for guessing where to aim. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm 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 impressed with the with the the knowledge that. I have no doubt that you you have and could impart to people with just a little bit of training. Thank you. My grandfather was a. There's a picture of him. Uh, where is it at? Where's the picture of Pat? It used at? to be right there. Where is it? Oh, right there. Yeah, he. I grew up shooting skeet with him, and he was he's a bird dog man, and we we shot skeet for all the time with cotton in our ears. That's probably the reason I'm deaf, but uh, uh, he always talked about blacking them out and follow through. Yeah. Like those are the main things he talked about was uh, blacking them out and then follow through. Like if you're moving through a bird, just keep moving. But that's about as technical as we got. Yeah. But uh, on ducks, yeah. it's shoot where the corn goes in, not where the corn goes out. Mm. And as his attorney, Ooh. I'd just like to clarify for the record that he is not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that took me a minute. Uh, as my attorney, is that a <laughs> he is not implying in any way that he uh, duck hunts over corn. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, I, does that work? Uh, yeah, so I, saw like, it I, I saw it on TV. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, hey, thank you, Austin, director of the Game and Fish, Absolutely. for being here. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Anne Marie, thank you for coming. You bet. Thanks we're for gonna take me. you up. I told Misty I wanted to take her back down there. Come yeah. on, it sounds like yeah. we're gonna make something work. Like yeah, in the next you week gonna come, so. Austin? Yeah. He's yes. Invited. Uh, I I had a request. Oh okay. Oh. Uh, since I've been listening to this podcast, I hear about this gentleman sitting next to me that used to guide on Biomeda when you still could. I kind of want to hear the man he, duck call. He oh. he he guides still today. It's not there's much pressure. <laughs> It's like hunting that was four a season. That was a joke. I got it. That was I a joke. got it. I see yeah, what you're doing there. Here's okay. A, this is the Alvin Taylor. This is the Alvin Taylor call. He made this for me in 1996. Well, so I'm talking well about. Let's hear your call, Austin. Let's hear, let's hear your call. What kind of calls are you running? So I've got two separate kinds. I've got two cut-down calls, and then I've got, no, sorry, three cut-down calls, and then two J-frames. Okay. Which just, the, 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 those are just different kinds. What, um, what Brent blew was a J-frame. 
So I'll try to blow one of these cut downs, and y'all y'all can hear y'all can hear the difference. No, it will be, it will be louder. Yes, Just keep, it'll be yeah, louder. Keep, keep your bike up like that. If you it'll can. be louder and raspier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah it's it's kind of it's it's got a little more meat to it, doesn't yep. it? Mm -hmm. Rasp yeah. volume. Yeah. Excellent. Good job. Well, uh, heck, if we're blowing duck calls. Yeah, yeah. Clay, where's your Come duck on, call? Okay, this is a, I got this one from Jim Stinson the other day. Good, good. And he, nice. I tell you what, he did with me is he uh, he was trying to teach me how to just make one quack, and he he wouldn't let me blow up more than once. And he said he said <laughs> pretend like you're blowing out a, a candle. <laughs> He, he said, pretend like you're blowing out a candle, but you're, but you're closing your lips, like going, and that's, and he, mm -hmm. so he said, <laughs> and then he, he had me do that like 20 times and he would go, he would cut every single time I did it. He'd go, nope, nope. Yep. 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 Nope. <laughs> yep. Yep. Nope. Yep. And pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like intense. And then he said, okay, do it twice. And I would go. And he go, nope. You missed it on the second one. But anyway, he he just like marched me through it. That's cool. Which is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, I but, left uh, my duck calls that's all at I home. Got. <laughs> just a quack. That's all, I, that's all it takes, boys. Quack. Words of words of wisdom. <laughs> that's what was in the email, right? Yeah, that's what that's what they <laughs> just told takes me. one blow. You're glad all. <laughs> yep. Uh, the email jokes are getting a lot of laughs. <laughs> I am on Things we didn't expect hey, to talk will, about today. I, will, uh, I, will, I would like to bring up this gift that, uh, that uh, the Doremus has brought me from, um, from a stop they made on the way to Northwest Arkansas. This yeah. is a black rifle, uh, just like a 12-ounce pack of coffee, and it has a full real black panther on the cover, and it's a lava panther black rifle coffee company. It's a good blend. Uh, Hashtag believer. Do you know this blend? They are one of my sponsors. So actually, uh, if anybody would like Black Raffle Savings, you can use my name, Kaylee15, for 15% oh, off. Nice. Oh, nice. Oh. Do they have so a that. picture of you, like, shooting something I cannot confirm or deny. Like a Black Panther? <laughs> no, <Okay>. they don't. <laughs> they don't. Oh, man. They she don't. That would be very Panther. cool. This is, this is a big win for us. Lava Panther. Incredible. I thought it was really special. Kaylee15. You know, meat eaters big in with uh, there's a meat eater blend of yeah. black rifle coffee. Yeah, coffee. I've had it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I, they they are they're such a good sponsor. They ship stuff to the lodge all the time, so all we drink is black rifle. That's all I carry in the lodge as well. So. And they support nice. veterans. They do. They do. I think it's I, don't quote me on this, but I want to say over half their company is is veterans that yeah. work there. So yeah, I think I've heard that too. Great. Well. Amory, did you see my Black Panther up there? Oh, yeah. First thing I saw when I came in. Mm-hmm. Finally got a Special. final resting place for him. He was kind of bouncing around the office, but I got him I got him up there. I don't know why he's not above the mantle in the house, but that's yeah. just me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. I, yep. Well, thank you guys so much. Thank Thanks you for having us. Thanks for yeah. having us. Yeah. Great stuff. And uh, the next series of Bear Grease is going to be incredible. That's all I can say. Some good I'm kind of tired. Up. Think I'll go home now. What? He's quoting Forrest Gump. No. Have you ever seen the TV? <laughs> not very often. <laughs> this man does not like watching movies. Hey, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. All right, great.
This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we've already done right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you actually want to eat breakfast. In the last year, I've been more diligent about going to the gym on a regimented schedule. And it's made a lot of difference in my life. Therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grease. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.